So guys, in case you haven't heard, there's a fantastic place where you can go and eat and drink until your heart's content, and it's located here in Chico. They've got amazing beer options, an expanded food menu, even more seating than they used to have. And if you haven't guessed it, I'm talking about the Handlebar. That's right, guys. Handlebar Chico, located 2070 East 20th Street. They have got an awesome menu, all the rotating craft beers you could want. Every time you go in there, there's something different on the menu. And to top it all off, they've got a really awesome happy hour. Every single day, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m., you get a dollar off any draft beer. That's right. Happy hour, 2 to 6, seven days a week, dollar off. Can't beat it. You're on a budget. You love this podcast. Go in there. Drink some beer. Eat some food. They support us. You should support them. Once again, that's the Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This you is a podcast. Shh, I'm saying it the way I'm saying it. So sexy. <laughs> Hello. This is a podcast about craft beer and film. We are two of your co-hosts. Later on, joined by two of our friends, but you'll get to that later. My name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers. Thanks for joining us again on this week's episode of Fresh Hop Cinema. As Max said, we've got a couple super extra special guests that are going to be breaking down the whole movie segment with us later. There will be no movie up until our guests join us. Just so you know, we're branching outside of our usual format. Here to tell you about that usual format is Young Maxwell. Correct. I don't get to give my usual spiel uh, where I tell you that this is a three-part show wherein we don't spoil the movie the second half. We're actually, like Johnny said, putting the movie all together in the danger zone, so you've been warned. The only we, So it's actually a four-part show today. We have a two-part danger zone. Uh, follow along. The first half, spoiler-free, language also free. Uh, Medium. I mean, like, language is, uh, you're f- like, we're free to use language. Freedom. We use a, There's language that is used. Throughout the danger zone, but there's only spoilers the second half. So if you don't want Ready Player One spoiled, make sure you turn this off before you get to the the second half of the danger zone, the fourth part of the show. You'll know. Come back after. You'll know. It's the part when four people are talking. Correct. No, I'm saying the second half of that. But you'll know when the danger zone starts. Sure. But no spoilers until the second half. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So um, what we're doing differently then is we usually save our second beer until the end, but we're actually going to do both beers first today. And we're starting with uh, one of the beers that one of our friends on later, Jameson, has brought. Johnny, do you want to tell us about it? Huzzah! I will tell you the name of it, and I'll tell you what I think of it, but your computer screen's simply too far away for me to read. <laughs> so we are drinking Fodor Punch from Almanac. Uh, I'm guessing it's got a bunch of berries in it. It's looking like we have a sour blonde ale aged in oak with raspberries, blueberries, and cherries. That's exactly what it is. I can you can read, totally read that. I can read that part, but yeah. anything below that, unless you can click in Zoom, which you totally can do. It's up in the top right corner. Impossible. No? Okay. So you will tell us more about the beer, but I'm going to tell you, it pours a lovely, like, pale reddish pink. Like a rosé wine. Yeah. It's it's definitely kind of like a rusted orange. It almost matches my sweater. Yeah. Almost. You hold it up to the light. It smells nice. There's very minimal carbonation on this by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this a first taste. Why don't you yeah. tell them a little bit more about what we're drinking and we'll go from there. So as Johnny said, this is a sour blonde ale. It's 7.2%. And I'm going to read you what Almanac has on their website. It says, I lost it. I want to say fooder. Fodor. Fodor. Fodor Punch. Call it Fooder if you want, dude. It's, I, a, it's our podcast. Fooder Punch. Fooder. Is a party and all of our favorite fruits are invited. 
after maturing in one of our favorite fooders, a giant, I can just look it up, a giant oak aging tank. We blended in raspberries, blueberries, cherries, creating a sour beer overflowing with farmhouse funk, fruit flavors, and a touch of smooth oak from its time in the barrel. Enjoy this juice box inspired delight with breakfast cereal, duck confit, and birthday cake. I'm a fan of all three of those things, and I would love to enjoy this beer with any one of them right now. Kind of hungry. I'll be honest. I was holding this kind of below my nasal cavity during that, and it smells sort of like Captain Crunch Breeze. Totally. To me. I love that you said Crunch Breeze. Breeze forever now. I love it. Crunch Breeze. Wow, that's uh, that is that smells sour. I haven't even tasted it. You've tasted um, it. Yeah, it is surprisingly not as sour as it smells, which is really a big bonus for me. You get a ton of natural stone fruit coming through. Uh, well, not stone fruit. Well, stone fruit. You can the, taste it even if they didn't make it with it. Yeah, know? I guess stone. Well, no, because cherries is a stone fruit. That's true. So one of the three is a stone fruit. The other two are berries. Mm-hmm. But I definitely get like that stone fruit, like just punch. Yeah. Which it's called punch. There you go. But stone fruits have this definite, just defined, robust characteristic to them. And the raspberries are definitely on, they bring in the tartar side. Depending on how ripe the cherries were, they could add some tartness. To be clear, I, you're saying the more tart side, not like there's a tartar taste to this beer. Well, they're, the the tart, like tartar sauce. No, I am saying the tartar okay. side of this beer. As <laughs> much as I love tartar sauce. <laughs> uh, I What, you don't like tartar sauce? What do you put tartar sauce on? Fish and chips, bro. When was the last time you saw me enjoy fish and chips? Oh, you don't like seafood. I seafood. It makes what? sense I would not like tartar sauce. You could put tartar sauce on a nice turkey sandwich. Not interested. You could. But the tartar side of a beer. Yes, the tartar side of this beer, just because we're dealing with three fruits. Uh, So you're going to have cherries, which can either sweeten up a beer or they can tart it out, depending on how ripe your your cherries are. And then you have raspberries, which even in their ripest, lend themselves to very tart, sharp type flavors. And then you've got blueberries, which even at their, like the riper they get, the sweeter they get. Yeah. So I feel like the addition of blueberries into this beer really rounds out the flavor profile very nicely. And I think maybe the blueberries are the or I'm sorry, the blueberries yep. are the only reason that this beer isn't ridiculously too sour. And that's maybe what I'm thinking, because a lot of Almanac's beers are just ungodly sour. Mm-hmm. Like I was super skeptical hippo eyes when I saw this beer because I'm like, oh, Almanac sour. I'm going to have heartburn now. Cool. Can I say something to you? Honestly? Yeah. That was a really good assessment. Thank you. I was, you know, that just hit a lot of good things. <laughs> uh, I think you're exactly right. Like this beer is super, super tart. I am, I'll be the first one to be like, my hands up. No, thanks. Too tart. My yeah. lymph nodes are dead. Um, but this is not that. This does have a very round quality to it at the end. Yeah. It's also kind of like in a good way, thin, not, not, not piercing. It's not like watery, but it's, it's very, um, it light. doesn't, it's very light. Well, it doesn't leave you with uh, like a coating like of film on mm-hmm. your mouth. It doesn't have like a really thick mouthfeel. It, you want a beer like this to be super light and refreshing and be consumed by your palate and then dissipate. Yeah. Right. You don't want it to linger. Cause then it would just be like, yeah, yeah, this is weird. Yeah. Why do I still taste blueberries? Right. Worth noting a, a lot of Almanac beers, actually, I think almost all of them from this series um, this is a series, right? I'm not sure. They, they actually, things? they've just rebranded quite okay, a bit. Yeah. They have different packaging. They're coming out with different labels. They just opened a tap room in San Francisco. So right. they're actually doing a lot of things. Um, all their bottles look very similar to that. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a series. All their beers are barely aged and sour. 
It's just a matter of different adjuncts they incorporate. Right. Well, the similarity I was going to get to was the the size. They're 375 oh. milliliters. Yeah, they do that. Perfect. Because any bigger than that, I think, is, is generally going to be too much for and me. And I think in, in, in this case, that beer would be perfect to split with two people yep. on like a hot summer day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this beer, I'm going to rate it because do I, it. I don't care. I'm a rebel. I'm giving this an 8.9. That's pretty this good. is one of the better sours I've had in the last year. Uh, if Jameson were here, I would give him a big sloppy wet kiss for leaving nice. it. Nice. It's delicious, uh, and I appreciate him bringing it. And it was a very nice addition to the show, and it definitely puts Almanac a bit back on my radar. I've seen they've come out with a couple recently. They came out with a nectarine sour mm. that has a brand new label. They'd put one out in the past, but this one's completely revamped. New recipe, got some spices in it, and they have like a peach cobbler sour that I'm really interested in trying that's okay. definitely supposed to be on the sweeter side. So this beer could be a segue into me revisiting some of the beers that they've been putting out. Deal. Um, for any interested parties, this beer usually runs like 12 to $13, I think. Yeah, it'd be like under 14 guaranteed. Sometimes you can find it for 10 if you go to Spike's Bottle Shop, what? I would assume, because they get deals. And then you can get 10% off that, so $9 oh, if you use our password. Snap. Uh, my thoughts on this. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, actually, I gave you my thoughts mostly, so I'll just give you my rating. Um, as sour blondes go, this is up there for me. This is like a nine. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. No, that's right. This is a nine. Totally. It's like, a really good beer. Super. Like it's what it says. It's a fruit punch beer. We were getting close to uh, to reviewing an old Bruin, an Oud Bruin, Oud excuse Bruin. me, um, from September of last year, and uh, my dumb brain thought it should not be refrigerated, so I haven't had it cold. And then I looked at the bottle after Johnny was like, "It needs to be cold," and I was like, "I don't think so." And then absolutely it does. So that'll be another time. Trust me, I'm Cicerone but certified. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm very glad we did this instead because this is real tasty. Honestly, and this was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. I've been really um, driven to mass consumption of Tums by the last yeah, few Almanac right. beers that I've tried. So I feel like this is a really strong move in the right direction for this brewery. So I'm going to at them pretty hard yeah, on the interwebs and hopefully we can get some feedback on them. Uh, if you want to try this beer, it is available at Spike's Bottle Shop. Yes, indeed. If it's not, it will be soon. You can ask Kevin, the owner. He can probably hook you yeah, up with if it. if it's not, request yeah. it. Maybe they need to get some more in. Right. Um, good. Well, let's, um, like we said, this episode's a little bit weird, so we are going to go to a break sooner than usual. But before we go to our first break, let's talk about what's got us hot and bothered this week. Oh, snap. I love this Shall segment. We? This is uh, so fun. So number one, do you want to go first? It depends. Are we doing one each or are we doing one hot, one let's, bothered? Let's do one each. Let's do one each. Do you want hot or bothered? Either, whoever picks bothered has to go first, so we get the negative out of the way. Um, I feel like I've done hot a couple weeks in a row, but I'm still I've got another hot. Do bothered? Oh, we can just do two hots. We don't have to be bothered. I don't think I'm. Well, am I bothered by anything right now? Uh, maybe we should do like one each, like two each. Two each. Do, you we don't should. have to make up something to be mad about. No, there's things that aggravate me in this world. All right, They're maybe very... it'd be fun though, like just focus on the positive. Like you know, I don't know. This What's just... got you hot? Well. I got a few things, but I'll just do one. What's got you hot, dog? Well, here's the thing, man. Hot dog. <laughs> As you know, in February, I put out an EP. I do know. Of music. And that music is called what? It is called Stories. It's mm. the title of the EP. I picked that name, um, just so you guys know. I have. He did help determine the... Uh, <laughs> The, you know, yeah. I did name. not. He what? had it narrowed down to two, and I was like, you should do that one. Right. Because you were like, Young and Green, the name of one of the songs I was thinking about calling. He's like, that just sounds like you're inexperienced. Yeah. And you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it just sounds like you don't know what you're doing. It's like, fair point, man. For sure, don't know your album that. So, what I've been trying to do with this album is get people to review it, mm. right? To try to get some press coverage, like blogs and websites and magazines. Okay. So, I spent most of the day yesterday and the day before reaching out to th- things. And I want to read you some of the things that people said 
when they decided they did not want to review this. <laughs> Are you talking about music magazines or yeah. mixed media companies? All sorts of stuff. BuzzFeed? Not BuzzFeed okay. because that's insanely popular. All right. So you got emails basically. You basically are going to read some of your rejection letters. Correct. Right I now. have about nine of them. I emailed 10 yesterday. I got, oh no, sorry. I emailed eight yesterday. I got seven rejections back. Aww. Here's what people said. So, but this has you hot? There's going to be one at the end. Okay. But All right. Here's one. Hit um, me. So I gave him my song, Young and Green. I'm going to turn my microphone for this. And um, so so this person, group, place, thing said, I enjoy the opening guitar work here. Unfortunately, the track does not quite stand out in a crowded folk scene. And I thought, okay, that's just one person. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> this one says, the following, no, quite cute, but I didn't feel it was a unique sound. All right. That's cool. That's fine. Rejection's part of life, you know? This person said... All pretty acoustic patterns here and an equally well-rounded lead who doesn't get... This actually... I didn't mean to click this one. This one almost sounds... Nice. Almost. <laughs> They're like, equally well-rounded lead who doesn't give away his melodic gifts easily, but they do flourish organically. This actually does sound like a nice review. With the arrival of his partner in rhyme, tis a lovely construct, an early summer romance that is effortless and slightly momentary. We'll have memories, though lovely ones at that. Which actually is not negative like at all. that's one of those things that you would like put on a movie poster... Yeah, for you know, sure. Like, they said, ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. Right, right. Um, so that was sort of a bummer. But then at the very end of the day, actually this morning when I woke up, I found this. Um, I got one person that was like, we want to we wanna do this. You know what? Somebody wanted to review your song. So and you got like one out of 10? I got one out of eight. One out of eight. slightly better. And not only was this reviewed, it was reviewed by a French blog. So wow. I am an internationally reviewed artist now, so which is what's got me hot. And that's, I'd like to read you what they wrote with the auto-translation from French. That's really cool. Here it is. Also, congratulations. Thank you. Because that's pretty cool. I know it would like suck putting yourself out as an artist and then having people just pummel it. It's just like wearing a haptic suit and getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah, you're, just, you're, just, you're just, just glowing all day. My crutch is lava. My crutch is right. lava. So here's what they said. Coming from California, Max Bernardi offers us a folk universe, which I thought was nice, full of colors and amazing flavors with a voice quite comfortable in all the tones. <laughs> Again, translation. Mm -hmm. uh, he paints a pretty picture of love memories in Young and Green. The melody is powerful and very catchy, punctuated by surprising instruments, brass piano, and pretty vocal harmonies. A talent to watch closely this year. That's so really was, that, nice. That made me happy today. That Does that balance the scales of getting punched in the wiener? Weirdly, it does. Like one positive no, can offset weirdly. like 15 bad ones. It's like anything in life. Like you, you present something to... Any number of random humans right. in today's society, you're going to be met with a majority of negative with, right. you know, one, someone saying something half nice or actually someone taking a genuine interest in your song. So I was very encouraged by this one. So I, I submitted to another eight today, eight okay. or nine, I can't remember. Um, and I've gotten two rejections. One I'm going to read now because I just got the email. This one says, um, damn it, these guys again. Um, the following detail was provided. This track takes far too long to get off the ground. Our listeners will not stick around. Wow. So you're saying your listeners are just impatient? Impatient bastards. They, I mean, Oh, because folk mu music needs to just get right, right to the point. I'm trying to drop the beat right now. Yeah. What the hell? Uh, so everybody go email Gas Mask Magazine. <laughs> what, what's their email address? Um, Let's just read that out loud on the podcast. Uh, this is actually from a mediated third party. I don't know, but I think wow. it's on their website. Gas Mask Magazine. Let them know that we are patient people. Well, you know, to be fair, I've never even seen Gas Mask Magazine. No, I don't know so, where they're from, but it's fine. That's fine. So what's got you hot and or bothered? 
You know, I've been kind of harping a lot on Netflix and how much it's got me hot. I mm-hmm. mean, last week was Cannibals, mm-hmm. uh, and that actually Raw was not on Netflix, was it? Yes, it was. Okay, so I'm just going to keep it rolling. Basically, this is turning into what I'm watching on Netflix this week. That could be a fun segment. Uh, it's what it's turning into. Right. I, I mean, I don't have cable anymore, and I used to watch way too many sports. And I don't think you can read, right? Exactly. So you'll hear more about that later. So, since I can't read books or watch sports, I can't read the books or watch the sports, yep. Max. Yep. So I've been really just digging deep into the Netflix trove of things, and I've got a massive list of things on all the streaming platforms that I need to watch. But what's got me hot this week is one of the most fascinating pieces of documentary-style filmmaking that I have ever seen in my life. It is a segment of United States America slash international history that I knew nothing about, and it happened less than a decade before I was born. So I'm talking about the series on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Hmm. It is a documentary chronology of a kind of a loose religious cult uh, that was founded in India by a guru. His name was uh, Rajneesh, and there was a last name there, Bagram, I believe. And he started this crazy religious movement, and long story short, they ended up moving out of India and kind of buying and taking over a whole city in Oregon. That's pretty awesome. It's crazy. And they actually have like modern day interviews with some of the people that were there, like the Rajneesh's like secretary that helped lead the whole thing. They actually went to like Switzerland, 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 Switzerland. Without Switzerland. I'm pretty sure she's in Switzerland because it's a non-extradition country and she's kind of wanted. So like the whole movie is like interviews with her and like the lawyer that helped him. Like it's some, they have some of the most high up people in this religious organization that took over a city in Oregon and apparently took over a lot of cities throughout the world, like they had communes in almost every country yeah. at one point. And it's super fascinating to learn about all this stuff that happened so soon before I was born, but yet has been so kind of ignored by most U.S. history. Like unless you're from Oregon or made a point to look into this before this documentary, it's something you possibly could have known nothing about. Right. Um, it's just a beautifully constructed documentary and it's Seriously got me hooked. Uh, I've been thinking about it like while I'm at work and just look forward to going home and watching it. And we are only two parts away from finishing the documentary. So I will report back next week on the culmination of the documentary, what happened, and my final thoughts. So I give you some time to catch up on it anyway. Wild, wild country. Wild, wild country. Fair. It's crazy. Does anything have you bothered this week? (sighs) No pressure there. Yeah. If nothing's got you down, nothing's got you down. Yeah, I mean, just the usual, like bad drivers. Fair. And people that walk too slow in parking lots. While you're driving? While, while you're, you're driving. Walking. Sure. Like, sure, sure. don't cross the like the roadway diagonally. I do think it's kind of rude, and like, clearly there's a car coming, and they're just still like, like, come on. Yeah. Just put a little pep in that step, you know? Yeah. I, and this is just, my bothered's usually just stuff that I encounter in my day-to-day life, because I'm yep. out delivering beer and selling beer all day. So most of what's got me bothered is just people on the road. You know that if you start talking about that, I'm going to jump right on. That was very, very, very well played. Well, then my that's just my weekly segment yeah. is like what I'm watching on Netflix and what dumb driver did a dumb thing. Sweet. Uh, in that case, let's no, jump to a break. Nothing's got you bothered? No, I'm good. I love it. I took my negative. I made it a positive. I, I feel like yours was a bit of both. 
Yeah, but I looked at the silver lining. Exactly. Yeah. Yours was like an uppercut to the groin. It was. But it was knocked out but by a right hook to success. I knocked out the uppercut? Yeah. Like it was going for an uppercut and, and I went, get out of here. gave him uppercut. a swift hadouken. Sure, 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 yeah. Hadouken. Hadouken. Uh, was that an 80s game? Yeah, and it was in this movie. Perfect. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break. We'll come back with our second beer and uh, talk to you after that. Yeah. Hey guys, in case you haven't heard, we have a Patreon. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it is a monetary system for you to give back to people that you enjoy the art they create. So in our case, we're obviously a podcast and obviously you love it. So you could get on board for as little as a dollar an episode. And that gets you access to all of our awesome parties and bonus material every single week. And so much more. If you go to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema, you can check out our tiered reward system. Again, just starting at a buck an episode. So basically for as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help support this podcast and also get involved in some really awesome times and get sweet bonus content and my undying love and affection. So check it out. Patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Say hey, please, please God, say hey, it's Johnny. Please, dude, please lead with that. Yeah. I'll buy you a beer tomorrow. Fresh River Brewery, how can I help you? Yeah, hey, dude, it's Johnny. I was just calling to see if you guys are releasing Consecration 3 liters still. Uh, so, confused. so confused. I heard you guys are uh, releasing Consecration 3 liters within the next Today? couple days. Uh, within the next couple days. Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to do... Um, we are going to do some three-liter bottle releases, I know, and it's going to be uh, well, shit. it's going to be right around our anniversary, and I think our anniversary is coming up. Okay. Ask him about prices. Uh, I think we're going to do a few days' worth of uh, both stuff and consecration. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have our Facebook thing, okay. but that would have more detailed information. That'd Any be the idea. up-to-date information. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just gonna, I'm going to be planning a trip down there from uh, Chico, so I was hoping to get like a rough date of when they're going to be released. And also, if you had any pricing info, it would be super appreciated. Uh, well, it's $120 for a three liter. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then the website would be the most up-to-date information there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just checking the website, and they didn't have anything specific, but... Yeah, um, we don't, so there's no specific release date. Okay, well then I will just, would the best bet be to check the website or just check back with you at the tap room? That'll be the most, uh, I mean, they don't even tell us when they're coming out. Gotcha. So. <laughs> we, right. we won't know until we're selling them. Okay, perfect. Well, I appreciate your help, man. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem, man. Have a nice day. All right, you too, brother. Bye. In case you're wondering what that was, uh, we were we were chatting on break with our friends John and Jameson, who you will hear in the Danger Zone, and they were telling us that last weekend, uh, well, it, it at, at the moment, it's in the future, but by the time you hear this, it'll be last weekend, was Russian River's anniversary, and we started talking about their three-liter uh, releases, and apparently Jameson said they were releasing a three-liter of Consecration, and we got to talking about how much it was. I was like, it's probably two $300. Johnny was like, it's 60 No, maybe it's 120 So we called the brewery, and apparently that guy did not know anything uh, about when those were getting released. Not his fault, probably. Or maybe it was, but I want to commend you, Johnny, for leading with, hey, it's me, Johnny. <laughs> well, you know, if you just Ugh. talk to them like they know who you are already, it's only awkward for them, and it's funny for everyone else. That was good, man. I thought that was, I didn't think you'd do it. That was pretty good. Really? Yeah. Takes uh, takes huevos, as uh, as we say. Well, you know, I'll just say, 
Pretty much anything. Yeah. So yeah. let's say this. Why don't you say what this beer is? Oh, did boom! We? Transition oh, on snap. fleek. Did okay. you already play the clip? Oh yeah, the clip has been played. Oh okay, cool. Sorry. I yeah. don't know. I was peeing. Yep, man. Yep. All right. So, anyways, we're yeah. back. Yes. That was a fun little segment from yes. the Russian River guy. His name was Brian, I think. I don't know. I don't know. He swore a lot. I know your name was Johnny. Yeah, we we know sure that. that he knows my name's Johnny, and he's still confused. Right. He's like, "Who's my buddy Johnny?" That just called. It's very confusing. All right. So, in honor of this movie. And all of the delicious pop culture and nerdy homages throughout, we are drinking Critical Hit from Ninkasi Brewing Company, which features uh, what looks like a mage uh, dual-wielding a staff with a 20-sided dice and a battle hammer of some sort in his left hand. So this is a barley wine ale, and this bad boy has been aging since 2013. So this comes in... That's five years. Yeah. And it's rocking 10.4 ABV and 100 IBUs when it was bottled in 2013. So pretty stoked on this beer. So in case you don't play video games or have never heard the phrase critical hit before, it is a term used in digital games. Actually, it comes from Dungeons and Dragons, which is a board game. Okay. Tabletop. All right. Well, it's a game term. It is. For when, you could probably guess, you deal massive damage to an opposing player or monster you deliver a hit often these come in the form of headshots usually these days maybe right to the liver correct anything this that's what this beer is to us it's is a, a is a critical hit to our livers probably it's a kung pao chop right to the liver um because not only is this 11 percent, it is also made with 24 different hop varieties wow that's a lot that we will not go through now but i am curious to know what your thoughts are based on how complex this beer uh, attempts to come off as what do you think as you sip this lovely barley wine ale Ton of hops, way more hops. Like twenty four, maybe. Yeah, way more hops than I would ever want out of a twenty thirteen barley wine. Oh, still hanging, hanging in there. Uh, yeah, which usually hops fall off. Uh, the really nice thing about traditionally, about that really weird way to phrase that. Yeah. Traditionally, the nice thing about aging barley wines is that the longer you age them, the more the hops fall off, and you get caramel. And roasty and sweetness that really overpower this whole beer. And it's just a nice, like almost like drinking a Werther's original is what a really nice aged barley wine's like. Like a super old Bigfoot. It just, it's so caramely and sugary, and all the malts have taken over. There's no hops left. Uh, this beer is a far, 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 far cry yeah. from what I would want out of an aged barley wine. I had a sip while you were talking. Yeah, what do you think? I'm not having another one. <laughs> it is rough. Um, actually, I think we do have an opportunity. We can get one of our interns to grab uh, an aged barley wine by Sierra Nevada out of my beer fridge in the office. Minion, uh, go! We're going to have uh, one of our interns grab that real quick, and we're going to crack open one of the actual Bigfoots, and we're going to see, um, while you're over there, one of the the older ones, I think there's one in there, maybe in the back of the fridge, see how a properly stored in good Barley wine should taste after several years. I might even have a 2013. That would be cool if we could rank this with like a, a same year. If there's a 2013, that would be mucho perfecto. There is. Cool. Ladies awesome. and gentlemen, Fresh Hop Cinema fam, we've got a 2013 Bigfoot. We're going to do a side-by-side. -side. So before we get to the Bigfoot, let's yes. talk about what we like, uh, what we don't like about this beer. Thank you, nameless intern. <laughs> um, I So I don't like this at all. 
I think the body's all wrong. I think the bitterness from the hops has really gotten worse. I've actually lost a lot of the sweetness that I would expect from the malts. Exactly. Um, it might have to do with the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the, you know, six to one ratio or four to one ratio of, of hop to malt. Yeah. Because this is not something I enjoy at all. No. I mean, if you would have told me that this was a double IPA, I would be enjoying this beer. I would I would understand it a little more. Um, but I it's just not it's not what I think it should be. Sorry about that, man. That's fine. I always grab your knife and I forget you don't open it with the blade. Uh no, this beer, it's just simply too bitter. Yeah. Uh from a barley wine that's just sold, it should be almost cloyingly sweet. It mm-hmm. should be overwhelmingly brown sugar, little molasses, tons of caramel, and yeah. malt and I don't know if all those hops are a good idea when it comes to aging this beer. No. So overall, for me, the 2013 critical hit, it's it's hitting like a 2.4. Yeah, I'm going to say like a 2, well, 2.5 for me. Oh, you got to go I, one gonna, better I'm than me? I'm just going to keep it. Like, I don't like to, yeah, it's fine. When I get low, it's like, it starts to get very right. blocky. Well, just so it's easy to remember, we're going to make it two fives two from five both of us. Across. Let's let's take a, a minor unofficial quick break. I'm going to I'm gonna find a new right. glass slash Push. dump this one out. Push pause. And then we'll come back. BRB. Well, that was a critical miss, am I right? You're right. Uh, one of our interns told us that that was the opposite of a critical hit. Thank you, nameless intern. <laughs> you nameless intern. Uh, so we dumped that Ninkasi because so, we had something better. Yes, we have put Ninkasi's 2013 critical hit to bed forever in this household. Thus saith the Johnny. We have moved on to another barley wine from 2013 from our local boys down the street. Who dis? Sierra Nevada, and we're not really going to include this beer in our official episode or anything, but we are going to drink it on air and kind of just compare back to back what a, I hope a good barley wine is to, it tastes well, like after five years of waiting. From the exact same year, they've been stored in identical conditions, so let us commence sipping. That's what it should be. I yeah? Mean, yeah. Like Tell you, me what you're getting out of it. Yeah, that. you do your thing. So like you get the molasses and the caramel and like the almost sickly sweet maltiness. I think that's real good. This is um, about 1.2% lower in alcohol. This is 9.8, if I do recall. I'm going to double check the bottle, but it's it's this is very good, man. Granted, this is like my 9.6. And that's me. still got a lot of hops coming through, too. Yeah, I think it's good. But you get all of the notes that you want to. Mm-hmm. It's not overbearing either. I've had barley wines that are even sweeter, and I enjoy those even more. But I feel like this is somewhat of a well-balanced uh, barley wine. I think that's fair. Where you're getting a, a bunch of sweetness, but you're also getting a hop kick, and you're getting a nice body. You're getting a nice mouthfeel. It's not yeah. too much of any one thing. It's definitely got the caramely and the brown sugary and, and just that nice right. sweetness. And it finishes with a subtle bitterness that really just rounds out the whole experience. Yeah, man. I think like this, you know, sometimes people say that Sierra Nevada, Sierra Nevada beers all taste the same, um, which I think is sort of... A weirdly worded fair thing to say like they use a lot of the same hop profiles and malts um and this has enough familiarity to those other hoppy beers where i still enjoy it like a sierra nevada but it's also different enough stylistically that i think it's a fun change of pace definitely and i think it is because it has those barley whiny aspects absolutely yeah you know that i just made up words barley whiny aspects it has the barley whiny vibage yeah right you know it does it really gives you those those things that you want out of a barley wine right so what i'm doing now is i'm scrolling through our feed because we did here it is we did another barley wine uh several several weeks ago four months ago was it the eel river it thor's hammer that we did for thor ragnarok Yes. Yeah, I say that like that because you didn't believe me. I know, on the break me. I thought it was a different episode. But in my brain also Thor was like two months ago and that's not even close. It's not? 
No, it's four months ago. Whoa! Yeah. Bro, alcohol makes you time travel. I just almost said yeah like the guys in the Daily Zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I hate that part of that. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> it is kind of annoying. Do right. they need to do it every time? Every single time. Yeah. Whatever. Footnotes. Yeah. So anyways, the Eel River was really good. Yes. That was maybe the best barley wine I've had since we started the show. So the best barley wine I have ever had in my life, and it was the beer that made me want to explore barley wines a little bit more, and you'll need to pull this up, is a barley wine from El Segundo. I want to say it is Old Jetty. That's damn close. That actually, yeah, I think you're right. Um, Didn't we do that on the show too? I don't know if we did or not. If we did not, that is definitely the one. Yeah, but dude, that's the one where I'm like, I am drinking a Werther's original. Yeah, dude. Oh my goodness! I think we shared that at a share. Actually, I don't think that was on air. Oh really? I'm pretty sure we just drank that in our personal life. Um, I could be wrong, but I just remember because they have that one. That's like one of their big heavy hitters. And what's the other one? Uh, The um, oh, the standard crude. Standard crude. Yeah. A uh, big shout out to, and I hate saying that. I know. I what should I say instead of? I love sh- saying shout out. Yeah. Why would you not say that? I don't know. It just feels so contrived. No, I think it works, man. All right. So shout out to JJ Coots. He is my hookup for all of my SoCal beers, and most people hate him, which is it. Makes it <laughs> you even have to say that. It makes it really amusing <laughs> being like, his friend. I want like I just imagine like every like there's a hundred people in the room and everyone's like we hate him and you're like everybody hates him but. Nobody said that. But he cool. You're basically like, let me say this nice thing. Ah, that sounds too nice. Let me just tear him down a little bit. No, it's just a thing. Yeah. It's fine. Well, well a lot of people, I assume, you said he's like from SoCal? Yeah. And so how just, do people know him like from the internet? Uh, just from CBE and others like Sacramento beer groups. He's yeah. just very involved because he's up here quite a bit. His parents sure. are from the area. Sure. But he sends me a lot of amazing beers that I would never get. And he also brings them to me personally, which I appreciate to the ends of the earth fair enough and he introduced me to el segundo and the old jetty uh, barrel aged stout which was phenomenal and also the i'm sorry the standard crude yes, stout right. and then the so, old yeah. jetty he was like don't sleep on this beer i don't care if you don't like barley wines mm. this will change your mind yeah and he's very knowledgeable when it comes to beer i mean i would trust him just like i would trust you if you were like this will change your mind about sure, a style sure. That's a bold thing to say. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, dude, here's 20 bucks. Just bring me a bottle. There you go. It was phenomenal. And since then, I've been kind of wanting to explore more barley wines. So if you're listening, get at us. I would love to hear back from all of you listening yeah. right now. What's your favorite barley wine? Why? And where I can get it? Because I think it'd be fun to start exploring the style a little bit more. Yeah, on that note, if you want to give us that feedback, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we do have a special Danger Zone segment where we're having our friends John Wallam and Jameson Parker join us for a lengthy discussion of both the book and movie versions of Ready Player One, initially by Ernest Klein, now directed by Steven Spielberg. Please stick around for that after a brief moment. Again, if you want to avoid spoilers for this movie, you're fine for the first half of the Danger Zone, but then pause it come back after you've seen the movie for the second half am i leaving out anything before we wrap this segment no you've done it this has been the beer portion of fresh hop cinema for this week uh after a break we will be welcoming two special guests see you in a minute hey guys johnny here from fresh hop cinema if you're looking for the best place in chico to buy craft beer liquor maybe some snacks I don't know what you're after, but if you need any of those three things, you're going to want to go head down to Spike's Bottle Shop in Chico, California. That's right. Spike's Bottle Shop, 
1270 East First Avenue in Chico, California. They've partnered with this podcast for our listeners to get an extra special deal on any single purchase. That's right. You go up to the counter with all your stuff you're going to buy. You're going to have a party. You're just grabbing a six-pack. You're grabbing a 22. It doesn't matter. Any purchase, you will get 10% off if you use our super secret promo code FHC. That's right, folks. FHC. That's the super secret password. Go on down to Spikes. Check it out. 1270 East 1st Avenue. They support us. You should support them. Use the password. Save some money. And welcome back from our break. As you heard earlier, we are joined by two of our favorite people in the world to talk about our film, Ready Player One. Why don't we go around the table and introduce ourselves, starting on my left. Hey, everybody. This is John Wollum. You guys know John Wallam. He's been on before. He's one of our patrons on Patreon. Uh, he's been on several, um, well, soon to be several bonus uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes. Mm-hmm. One called The Wallam Sessions. We invented our own theme song for it. Uh, and then Johnny is in the middle here. And then Hello. on my right... Uh, I am Jameson Parker. Now, Jameson, why specifically are you here for this movie this week? Yeah, man. Why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, John reached out to me after uh, a while... Of getting to know each other and ask for a book recommendation, and I recommended Ready Player One. When was this? Ish. Oh gosh, probably. We've only known each other for a year. There yeah, you go. and it was so, probably about that time. So, hey, I'm yeah. John. Have you read this and book? Have I read this book? No, I've no, read no, this he, book three times. Yeah. Right. I've been through it a few times too. Yeah, we should cover that. So then, John and Jameson and myself have all read the book. Johnny Summers has not. No, mm-hmm. I'm actually illiterate. I, I can't read. So we didn't want to tell you guys that, but it's true. Yeah, He's but, been getting by on his looks. The rumors yeah. are true. Audiobooks only for me. Right. So we're going to go and we're going to mostly talk about the movie. We're breaking up our danger zone into two halves. We're going to remain spoiler free in the first half, talk only about what we thought of the movie without spoilers, and then we're going to take a short break, come back, and go spoilers for the movie, for the book, for everything. Going whole hog. So if you're girding your loins against that, um, be warned. I'll gird your loins. Is that how you use that phrase? Gird your your loins against something? I think so. Or am I I'm just saying sure. it sounds like guarding? No. You, or, or are you grinding your no. line against something? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's it. Different. Grinding that's, a deep, that's a deeper question. Then we have time to get into yeah, it. Grinding and girding yes. sounds, sounds like a good Saturday night. I'm <laughs> pretty sure they're both in the Bible. Yes. Ooh, for, that's probably I know true. girding is, but I'm yeah. pretty sure there was some grinding at some point. Girding and grinding. Girding and grinding. The two, the two Gs of the Bible. That's, yeah. And God, I that's guess. Yeah. Twerking <laughs> chapter six, verse nine, right? Twerking right. chapter six, verse nine. Okay, just making sure. All right, let's talk Ready Player One. This is a movie adapted from a book by Ernest Cline, directed by Steven Spielberg. It came out on March 29th, so what is it today, you guys? Maybe a, w- a week ago, give or take? Mm-hmm. Actually, exactly a week ago. Yep. Um, it was released by Warner Brothers. It's a sci-fi movie based on just 80s culture gasms for anybody alive during that time. It runs just over two hours, rated PG-13 for, uh, it doesn't say it, but I would call that cartoony video game violence. Well, there was some language, too. Yeah. Oh, there, there was, was there language. was there was one language. There was exactly. multiple languages. Well, it depends how you define language, right? Yeah, like, there was multiple. There language. was a few shits and one fuck. All right, damn it, Johnny. <laughs> we're in the danger zone. We're, we already true. said. I guess we're in the danger zone. We're just not in the spoiler but, danger zone. So that one fuck was the reason why it was PG thirteen. Yeah. If they didn't want more, yep. is that R really? Yeah, yeah. There's actually a guideline that they have. You can only say fuck once in a PG thirteen movie. But if you say it once, does it immediately become PG thirteen from a PG? Yes. yes. Yeah. Are there any other words that would make a PG movie a PG thirteen? Cunt. Cock. All right. <laughs> Titties. Sure. I meant maybe more run of the mill ones, but um, sure. Scrotal mutilation. Scrotal mutilation sure. actually is encouraged from okay. what I heard. What about squirrel mutilation? Especially Disney. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Squirrel mutilation. Ugh. 
let's can we can we sum up this movie? I was hoping we could do something where we we throw together the plot by kind of you remember that game popcorn in school, Johnny? You didn't know this because you couldn't read, but when, those of us that couldn't <laughs> read. And also, I didn't we, go to normal we, folk school. Right, oh, that's true. Yeah, we would we you, like your teacher would be like, all right, now you read in the book, and then when you're done, you're like popcorn. You throw it to somebody else who's terrified. So I, I was hoping we could do that with the plot. That's got to be confusing. Wouldn't you lose your place? Yeah. Because you're like sweating and freaking out that someone's yeah. going to Do they put a bookmark in it at least before they throw it? Well, no, that's oh, kind of the no. thing. You're following along with the book. Sorry. And then... I, it was a metaphorical throw. Oh, okay. Like you gonna... throw the, the, the baton. I didn't go to school. I need right. this spelled out for me. Yeah. Here. So like, you sit at these little tables or <laughs> well, desks. Well, if he spells it out, could, and... could you read could it? You... <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, I'm so confused. So the year is 2045. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm already starting it off wrong. Is that right? That's right. That sounds that's right, right to me. 2044 in the book. 2045 in the movie, the world is overcrowded. And the biggest difference is that there is this big alternative virtual reality called the Oasis invented by this guy named James Halliday. Popcorn. Ooh, okay. Just go with it. So the uh, Oasis is a place where um, people of all, uh, I guess, financial backgrounds go. And they can, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, this is where you go and play. This is the alternate uh, reality because no one has money to go places, there's fuel shortages, there's uh, um, nothing to really do. Um, You know, housing is stacked on top of one another to um, save space. So, Johnny? You're supposed to say popcorn. Popcorn, popcorn. Johnny. Yep. Popcorn. Well, popcorn is my favorite food, so let's talk about that for a minute now. Ooh, hold on. <laughs> no, okay, back to the movie. Wait, I found out something really cool when I went to watch it. You said popcorn. I know, but I I'm have sorry. the talking stick. I love you. What? When you get a large popcorn at the movie theater, you can get your refill at the same time. Mm-hmm. I knew. I now knew that. Like they'll give you another bucket. Yeah, yeah, they'll give you another bag. I got his other bag. Yeah, because we went and watched it last night. Also, that I'm just saying the whole only good the day of purchase myth oh okay just saying anyways okay so now that we've gone off on that let's get back to the plot of this movie so it's this alternative reality that everyone kind of hides in and is their most true self in it's definitely like a parallel for a lot of online gaming social media all kinds of stuff like that so you see this kid he's coming up rough he's our main character his username is parzival so that's pretty much what he's called throughout the movie. So we're just going to call him that. So he's our main character. Uh, he's coming up from immense poverty in an abused household. It's his escape. And the creator of this universe leaves Easter eggs in it. And they're very powerful items. And you can just find them in different game areas of, of the universe. Uh, and he left one big one. And that's kind of leads the whole main plot of the movie. And I'm going to popcorn it to Jameson to tell us a little bit. Not too much. No spoilers yet. No spoilers yet. But one thing to go back to, Halliday died before he left the right. Easter egg. Yep. So he left it in a, a digital will, which sent the world in a craze. Um, he died back five years before this point in the timeline. Yep. And so for the past five years, the entire world, who was part of the Oasis, um, they were hunting for it and had no such luck up until this point um, to where... They someone figured out where the first key is, the copper key, and everyone knew where that was, and everyone was going for that key, but no one had achieved it in this impossible race. Popcorn Max. Yeah, so then, so Parzival slash Wade ends up solving the thing that gets him the key, um, and, and the stakes are pretty high because we find out that basically in, in Halliday's will, he says, 
you know, I'm leaving these clues behind. Whoever solves them gets a control, like just basically controls the Oasis. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this, this race against time and against this corporation uh, called... Oh, IOI. IOI. IOI, thank you. Innovative um, Online Industries. Industries. Yeah, right. Well, so, Holiday's company was Gregarious Simulations. Correct. Yes. But IOI is who Wade has to go against oh, because gotcha. they're trying to solve it too because they want to monetize it for you know, putting ads in people. I think at one point in the movie they said, we learned that we could put like fill up 80% of their screen without causing seizures. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how the movie unfolds. It's this big, this big 80s pop culture eyegasm for you and there's tons of references and it's a lot of fun. And... I think with that, let's get into how we felt about it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Johnny, as the only person who hasn't read the book, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was pretty friggin' awesome. I went in pretty blind. I had only seen one preview, and it was just to show Shalina what we were going to see, because so, I always have to screen it to see if she even wants to go. Uh, but yeah, so I went in relatively blind, not knowing any of the plot, really, or the plot points, and... I was definitely blown away. It was a really cool story. It was like just dystopian enough to be kind of believable this far in the future, but it wasn't like Mad Max-esque. Mm-hmm. I like the balance that they had of the integration of like super advanced technology with people living in mobile homes stacked 40 stories in the air. So that was kind of a really cool take on a dystopian future that a lot of people haven't really gone this level of like modern with the post almost post apocalyptic just the way the living conditions were it'd be fair to say mm-hmm. there was no apocalypse but it was just really crummy place to live uh but you know it had this this parallel universe you could be as they said anything you want to be so i mean they had so much like there was little pieces of everything you could imagine that's been in pop culture and nerd culture since the 80s like to present so there were so many homages and like just amazing visuals and really cool plot. I don't think anything was super overdone. I mean, overall, I really love this movie. It was a pleasant surprise, and I already want to go see it again. Jameson Parker, thoughts on this movie? Uh, I really enjoyed this movie, actually. It, it was very entertaining. Um, the pacing, it, there there wasn't a slow moment for me in it. Um, the I, One thing I really look at is color schemes and how they interact with their character and self kind of... Um, something I picked up from the YouTube channel, every frame of painting. Um, and I don't know, just the, the way it was filmed. I mean, it's a Spielberg movie, so of course it's going to have his touch on it. Um, I liked all the callbacks and the, the, like, uh, Johnny was saying, just all the, the cultural vibes that you get from it. And the fact that, I mean, this may not be that far off with how much VR is becoming real. And I mean, they even have haptic gloves now where you can feel things. Mm -hmm. They're not, release to the public but they are being tested and if that's happening now what's that going to be like and what is it 17 years from now where this takes place um and also the fact that you can escape and and not necessarily be your what i took from it not necessarily be your real self but be who you wanted to be um and that was kind of a a really interesting aspect i took from it is no matter your background just be who you want um like you, if you are transgender, you could be the opposite sex that you, you feel you are. And that, that I felt was a really cool, interesting kind of tidbit into it. You, you don't have to pretend like you do in the real world. And that, that's one thing I really liked about it. Yeah. All right. John Wallum thoughts on this movie. I love this movie. 
absolutely love this movie. I've been waiting for this movie to come out ever since I read the book. So when did you first um, read it? Oh god, about a year ago. Okay, was when I read it. Right, and then right. I've uh, actually been through it three times now. And then uh, last night was my second viewing of the movie. The first time uh, I took the wife and we went and saw it in three um, D XD. Mm. And uh, I have a big problem with whenever I watch a three D movie, taking the glasses on and off and seeing. The, I'm just I'm a kid. But last night went and saw it, um, and it's just a great movie. It's just a visual treat. Um, there's mm. just, um, you know, the CGI is clean. It's, uh, you know, really well directed. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's some pretty stark differences, but um, the story, I think it does very well. Um, it flows well. There isn't a lot of dead spots in the movie. There's a lot of action. There's always something to keep you interested, something to keep you going. So, yeah, I, I loved it. Great. Yeah, I think I think a lot of those same things you guys said. I think it's really cool, too, because a lot of this, like half the movie is in the Oasis, so it's CGI. And uh, a lot of times in movies, you'll see a CGI thing and it's like, oh, that is the worst CGI ever. But what I like about this is that we are into this reality. So instead of being like, that's bad movie CGI, I'm like, that's a really good looking video game. Yeah. Which was which is a really cool way to like take me out of my normal viewing routine when it comes to that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, There it was a lot. There was a lot of overwhelming pop culture reference. I think they crammed as many as they could. And yeah. it kind of makes me think of that line. There's something like, we can put 80% of their screen without giving them seizures. I almost was getting seizures in there <laughs> yeah. because I also saw it in 3d, but at an IMAX and I was not super far back. So it's like, I was kind of leaning back in my chair and mm-hmm. right in front of me is this whole world that I've been reading about a couple of times. And, um, it was really good. I want to touch on really quick who was in this movie. Um, like we said, Parzival slash Wade Watts is played by Ty Sheridan. Olivia cook plays Artemis. Ben Mendelsohn plays the big bad guy. Sorrento, uh, let's see here. Uh, TJ Miller plays IROC. <laughs> Gotta love TJ Miller. Uh, who we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, our other pretty main character was H. Uh, we're not going to talk about who plays that character in case somebody's read the book and hasn't seen the movie and doesn't want a book detail spoiled by what I was just about to say. Um, Simon Pegg is in this as Ogden Morrow, James Halliday's old business partner and mm-hmm. slash co-developer of the Oasis. His friend. And friend, Yes. Um, Mark Rylance is, by the way, who played Halliday and Anorak is wizarding. Um, what's the word? What is Avatar. It? Avatar. Thank Avatar, you. Yeah. Um, we also had two characters named Daito and Sho, uh, which was very close to what they called him in the book. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the whole cast in a nutshell. I think everybody did a good job. I am curious to know more if the actors did any motion capture stuff for the Oasis yeah. or if it was all just CGI. I but thought I there was some like motion capture. There they must be, right? Have. There's some scenes I felt, and I, given I haven't looked into this, where it was almost like everything neck down mm-hmm. was the actor right. and then just the avatar face was placed over mm-hmm. kind of yeah. like what they did with the uh, star wars which they, oh right right right, right. The yes short gala um, yeah I, I know you're talking about, i read about it too but i yeah. have a sort of a rough <laughs> history of star wars on this show uh <laughs> all that to say i enjoyed this movie a lot i would go watch it again i do want to reread the book because i've only read it the once but it was mm-hmm. one of those books that i had a really hard time setting down i remember i was in reno and i I had like gone to the gym or something and I went to sit in the hot tub, but I, and I had it on audiobook, So I like took my phone in the hot tub, which is dumb, but I was just like <laughs> listening to it and there's people all around me and I stayed there for like an hour and a half, got mm-hmm. overheated, but it's just a really, really encapturing kind of story. And I think they did a pretty good job That's making it into a movie. Great mental image. You just, just in over, a hot tub <laughs> listening to ready player one. Yeah, man. It's like, I won't leave. Um, I hey. wanted to talk on a couple things that you yeah. said I thought were interesting and just a couple points to expound on what you said, um, you know how are you wow. talking about Jameson? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. You Jameson. I was going to say while you were speaking, this movie felt with all of the references and stuff, it felt like it was made for people our age, almost more than children. 
Yeah. Because you know, it's a PG-13 movie, and a lot. I was in a theater with a ton of kids, uh, and it really did feel like it was made more for me, a lot of it. Like, all of the kids' dads and, like, me were laughing at all of the references, which I really dug, but, like, the kids loved it, too, and I'm sure it's going to spark a lot of interest in all that cool old stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a really cool thing, too. I didn't think about that till right now. Like, maybe some kid's going to go play Galaga for the first time because right. of this movie, and... Mm-hmm. Any child that plays Galaga for the first time because of this movie, it's a victory. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because there's so many differences that you don't know from the book. Like there's a big sequence in the middle of the movie um, where the characters go into a thing. And that's not what happens in the book. They go to a different thing. Okay. And we'll talk about that in the next segment. But it's completely different and it's way more relatable because the thing that they did in this movie is, uh, I think, more widely known. I wasn't really even following along in the book, I don't think. Mm. Uh, I got the idea, but I think the way they did it in here was very approachable. Um, and, uh, it was kind of a nice way to jump back into something that I have known for a long time and, but maybe didn't land on kids. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff in this maybe would just be cool visuals and yeah. they don't mm-hmm. really understand why the adults are having fun with it. But exactly. Most of this movie yeah. is that I think, um, before we go to our first break here, can we go around the table and say one of our favorite scenes? Yeah, and we're going to rate this thing too. Yeah. And we'll rate it right after that. Um, does anybody have one they want to start with well, again without specifics? So I guess this is kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's better to, to, like, to wait. What's, what's your favorite like aspect of the movie sure. as a movie? That works. You know, uh, I'll start. I mean, for me, it's the visuals and the fully immersive world. I'm a huge gamer. I'm on PS4 all the time. So like, just having more of a physical representation in a video game universe fascinates me. I think it's a very interesting concept, and I definitely am interested in reading the book now. Fair. But for me, that's probably the coolest thing about this game. Or this movie nice. is that you know you're, <laughs> yeah. you're you're in the game right and with the multi-directional uh treadmills that mm-hmm. they actually have now mm-hmm. that they're oh, working they really? on for real yeah. those are a thing right now yeah so like we're really probably only like maybe 15 20 years away from the kind of technology you're seeing in the movie mm-hmm. so i think that was probably my favorite and then like jameson was saying just that you could be whatever you wanted uh, it was really cool i mean I'm always uh, a Viking chick when I play Skyrim, so <laughs> I feel you when you can be whatever you want. Right. I've always wanted to just be a Viking chick. John Wallum, your favorite aspect of the movie? It, um, I got to agree with Johnny. The uh, Just the visuals of the movie were just, they were a treat. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's all I got. Jameson? Uh, I liked all the, the callback and all the, like, all the trivia stuff that is hidden in the background, like... Uh, <clears throat> In one of the scenes, Battletoads is there. It's like, oh, hey, that's Battletoads. Mm. Saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I like catching all those different references and being like, oh, he is Bizarro. And when I said that to my wife, Natalie, who's there with us, she's like, who the hell is Bizarro? Yeah, right. like, <laughs> and you it did made that me with feel, me, too, in yeah, the car. Yeah, it made me feel even more like a nerd. So. Right. But that's awesome. But, which is great. It, yeah. it made, like... Seeing that on the big screen made it relatable to me. Mm-hmm. And also it has to be a little bit validating. You're like, yeah. my obsession with all this nerdy stuff is actually cool now. It's redeeming. Yes. Yeah, like you're surrounded yeah. by people who are also like getting called nerds. Yeah. Like, ah, unite. Uh, yeah. yeah. You don't get that? Well, now who's the nerd? Right. Suck it. So I actually really liked um, some of the conflict stuff. I was afraid that I wouldn't, but there, recently there's been some like battles over net neutrality in the real world. Mm. So I think this is kind of applicable. Like... Um, and you have Ben Mendelsohn as the bad guy who's been in a bunch of stuff and he's always like a perfect, like deviant little squirmy bad dude. And, um, he was, his avatar was goofy enough. And also Irox who will, we'll, let's talk about after this, but <laughs> yeah. I laughed out loud several times from his stupid TJ Miller dialogue. Oh, TJ Miller's um, so great. Yeah. But I, I liked, I liked that battle a little bit and I like, I like team movies where they have to go against the man and come out mm-hmm. on top. And, 
Um, obviously the visuals were, were a huge part too for me. Totally. So let's rate this movie. Yep. For me, it's like a solid 8.9. Okay. I'm going to go 8.9 from me, Max Bernardi. John Wallum. I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. Johnny Summers. Uh, solid 9.3. Oh, hot damn. Yep. This is my jam. Jameson. <laughs> Man, I feel like the downer here. My immediate thought was 8.5. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, we are going to take a break, come back with our reasons. We're also coming back with spoilers from the book and the movie, so stay tuned. And one. We're back. We're back. Okay. We're, we're drinking beers. It's the double depth danger zone. It's double depth charged for your ear exploding pleasure. Us Ooh. nerds have boned up on the book knowledge again. We're going to recap some of that. We're going to talk movie stuff. Except for me. I did right. not read the book during the break. No, you did not. Or you're, before the episode. You're a fast ear reader, but not that fast. Fast ear reader? Fast ear reader. If you say that fast enough. It was Fast ear reader. You're fast ear reader. Wow. Yeah. yeah. A faster reader. You're furiously faster reader. You say that fast enough, you start to sound Swedish. <laughs> Ooh. You're a faster reader. <laughs> so. Oh, how quickly we spiral. Favorite scene in the movie. Spoilers if you'd like. Think about it. I will just kill time by speaking while you're thinking it. And I'm thinking of mine too. And it's gotta be when the two main characters boned, am I right? <laughs> That's oh yeah, did totally. not happen. But it did cross some lines where like they showed Deleted the haptic scenes. suit, like oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That was it got erotic when they were sexual. dancing. Yes. I know mine already, so if you guys are go, go for, for it. it. Dude, the whole shining scene yeah. was <laughs> fucking yeah. awesome. I was very happy with how they did that when they like stepped because they actually blurred the lines of in the game in CGI and then they like stepped into the Overlook Hotel and it was yeah. like real life. So they were CGI avatars in the actual like set of The Shining. Some Roger Rabbit shit. It was so cool and it was mm. seamless and it was believable and I felt like the the set of The Shining was just on the screen which it was. You don't feel did you feel like they overdid it? Anybody at all like not overdid it but maybe um I mean, for me, like the 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 zombie lady with the axe. Oh yeah, that was went, a bit much. Oh yeah, it went completely overboard with mm -hmm. it. But I mean, if you're living in a parallel video game universe, you can take some liberties That's and make true. the lady a yeah. hundred feet tall and right. give her an axe. They had to make up for not being able to show Jack Torrance. Right. They did a they did a pretty good job though, of like because they had somebody that like walked exactly. Yeah. Like him and, mm -hmm. They like showed his like shins walking through the maze. <clears throat> yeah. Like you could just see like jeans right. and boots, and you're like, oh, that's that's Jack Torrance. Dude, that scene with uh, when H goes, he's the twins. Like, hey, little girls, you gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's uh, she. Yeah. H is asking, uh, do you know the way? Out? Do you know where the exit is? Right. That's yeah, right. The yeah, twins. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. right. Never seen The Shining. The Me? H, right. The character. That was the yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 And then, like, the elevator, I'm like, oh, there's about to be so much blood coming out of yeah. that thing. So I do think a lot of that went, went really well. Yeah, I really dug the way they integrated that film into the movie. For yeah. me, that was probably my favorite part. Yeah, that's so, that's kind of their take on a flick sync. With, with compared so to let's the get book. into that, yeah. That's what I was saying kind of before we went to the break. There's a sequence they did that I think would relate to younger people and more people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We didn't so, say it at the top. Full-on spoilers, did we? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so what happened? You say flick sync, John mm -hmm. Wallen. What is that? So flick sync is something that happens in the book. So let's let's put it this way. The movie is basically Steven Spielberg reading the book, smoking a ton of weed, getting drunk, passed out, and then going and making the book. This is all speculation, of course. Of course. We didn't talk This is my personal opinion. Right. Well, he, he could have done a fantastic Stephen, job. Could have done the Stephen King thing, just did a bunch of coke, and then like, yeah, let's do this. I think right. he did. Sadly, so, that still does not explain. Anyway, <laughs> flick sync. Flick so sync. flick sync in the book is basically where a character has to become a um, uh, part of the movie, a character within the movie. So within the book, they do 
um, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, and they do uh, War Games, both of which are epic movies. The person has to become the main character, recite their lines, recite their actions. They get bonus points for adding, you know, inflection, doing this action, um, so on. And that's how they go. And um, in the was it the Copper Gate? Yeah, Copper Gate. Copper is Gate with War games. games. That's how he defeated the Copper Gate and got through. Do you think they couldn't do those in this movie just because of like the mountain of trademark issues they Not, were already no. encountering? So, or they got the shining. Well, <laughs> well yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe they could only get like one right. big I mean, if you movie. think about it, the book had so many Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. They had to trim the fat somewhere and yeah. like cuz you've got to, so I mean, if you if you use a trademark, you've got to pay them a portion of the profits from the movie, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so my question is, was the shining scene in the book? No. No, okay. not no, not at all. So it was a completely different movie. Was it the War Games one or was it the So here's the here's the thing with the the book. The book was, um, you get the key, you go to a gate. You get the key, you go to a gate. You get the key, you go to a gate. This one, it's just you get the key and then the gate's right there within the movie. Yeah. So so there was actually like a quest or something to yeah. get to the gate after uh-huh. you got mm-hmm. the key? Correct. Yes. Okay, so that's obviously carving out a lot of plot. So right? it's yeah, that's taking out half the, half the book right there. Well, half the challenge. Yeah. Which is smart, though. It's well, like yeah. there's a quest to get to the key and then a challenge to open the gate. It's more like an adventure to get the key and okay. then you have mm-hmm. to do something. Well, how long was it within in the book where Parzival got the first key and then how long was it? Eight months. Got, yeah, yeah, before he got Eight to the months. copper gate. Damn. Also, something that I think they did better in the book that made me connect with Parzival's character a little bit more um, was that he was not only poor in the real world, but very poor in the game. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So he goes to school in the Oasis. That's part of the thing. That's what a lot of kids do now. No, so, Ludus, yeah. yeah, so he goes to school on Ludus, and people have been searching for the copper key for, what was it, seven or eight years, five years? Oh, yeah. Five years, yeah. And the first key on was on Ludus. Right, so that's how he finds it, and that's why he's so good, because like, he finally he thinks about it all day long, and it finally clicks, because he, he can't mm-hmm. go anywhere. If he finds out it's on like Arcadia, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, I can't get that. So he finds it, gets super rich, and then like builds himself up a trajectory and just destroys stuff. Oh, yeah. They but, kind yeah. of conveyed that in the movie, but not really, not really. Yeah, they're well, like, oh, to your, yeah. To your point within the book, um, Parzival's so broke that the uh, the key is actually on a different part of Ludus. He is so broke that he has to go through his school and have the school uh, use a transportation voucher to go and watch this supposed sports game. Right. Football game. Yeah, yeah, to watch a football game. Sports ball. So he literally, he says, okay, well, you know, to fill the stands, I'm going to, you know, go to this so the school covers the transportation charges. Because you can either get there by running if you have a vehicle of some sort, but in the Oasis, in the book, you have to pay for the fuel for that vehicle. Or you can do teleportation, transportation, whatever. Mm, it's kind of like having a horse in Skyrim. Exactly. Yeah. But... um. So he's so broke in the book that he doesn't have the money for the transportation. So he uses his school to pay for the voucher. And then he figures out, oh, I have enough time. I can go and do this. Well, he found it on, he figured it out on a Friday. Yeah. And so he had the weekend to get through and try to get to school, I believe. You yeah. guys are making me want to not talk about this anymore and read the book. It <laughs> sounds really good. You no, the, you will love the Even if we give you all the, you will love the yeah. book, I swear to you. I've read it three times and I could honestly go for it. It's like yeah. it's like somebody being like, yeah, there's going to be a giant mecha Godzilla. It's like, you're still going to want to see the Godzilla. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, did you guys actually read physical copies or do you listen to audio books? I touch book all day. Baby. Oh, yeah? I touch paper. Okay. okay. And I listen to audio books. I like your so. style. I prefer paper. But yeah. it's really frowned upon to do that while you're driving. Yep. <laughs> Unless you get caught. Uh, well, or die. <laughs> I try well, to keep one copy <laughs> stuck in stuck for stuck in traffic. I just keep one in, not of this book, but that would be pretty baller. I keep my Ready Player One close to my heart when I need to read it. Yeah, you just yeah. whip well, it out in traffic. Yeah. So yeah. I guess with um with Audible and Kindle now, you can listen to part of the book, and then if you want to actually read it, 
it'll pop up, up on your Kindle now. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it picks the up where you are. Yeah. Or whatever it's called. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah. It won't be long. We'll be just living in video right. games, exactly. which is fine. They've already got Skyrim VR. Yeah, they and I want to buy got, that so bad. They've got Skyrim crazy, on everything. Dude. I know, but right. you can I've, play Skyrim VR with like I've never played Skyrim. Is um, that bad? Nah. Uh, it's not bad. It's just like probably one of my favorite games of all time. So your favorite so, scene was The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I want to get through this and then we can BS. But what is everybody else's favorite scene? Oh gosh. So for me, favorite scene is probably where um it really kind of sets Par- Parzival's characters where when he goes into the holiday journals for the first clue and he figures out, Oh, okay. I've got to do this in the race. Cause he's there, he's with Artemis and you know, he's walking away and then all of a sudden he hears, you know, you know, backwards, you've just got to floor it backwards. And uh, he just kind of goes, wait, you know, ah, that that's it. And that, I think that really speaks to his character, his drive. He's, you know, in, in the book, uh, he's known as a gunter. Him and Artemis are both known as gunters and or egg hunters. Egg hunters. And um, in the book, they don't clan or team up together. But uh, um, in the movie, they kind of, kind of do. But um, uh, definitely that where he goes goes into the movie and just by faith, you know, just by okay, this is this is it. He puts his car in reverse and just floors it as fast as it'll go right to a wall. And at the last second, road drops out and he's he's on his way. Right. Some of you unfamiliar with the rules of this universe might be like, okay, it's a video game. If you die, so what. Oh, well, if you die, then yeah, you, you, you zero, zero out. out. Yeah. So you right. lose all of your inventory, you lose all of your money, all of these items that you've been working towards for years and years and years. And they, you're back to nothing. And they yeah. really show it in a cool way in the movie. I love that. that <laughs> yeah. Like, you, that just, graphic, yeah. you just start leaking gold you're coins. Just, <laughs> it's so yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I actually didn't love that. because really? um, it. So again, in the book, he's I just like his character more because he's very much more of a like a skill driven person. Cause mm-hmm. like, what are the odds? He walks away from, uh, what, what's the, the robot's name in there? Uh, the, what are they call them in the movie? Oh, it's like the curator. It's the curator. curator. It's yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's like walking away and cause he like, looks through Halliday's old journals and like, as he's going like, you just got to go in reverse. And like, not only did they say it one time, it was like, again, he's like, just go in reverse. <laughs> and he's like, what? And Maybe going this down is for, halls, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It seemed a little bit easy. Um, compared to the book struggle and kind of in general, I think. Yeah. So that was harder to figure out in the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, he had like, oh, he had to like fight a Sarah which is like this, this Demi Lich from this crazy random tomb of horrors thing from Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And like, he had to beat him at a game of joust. It was like just so eighties right there. Yeah. It was so like cool. watching a futuristic hologram. Like yeah. it felt more star Wars than it's, ready player one. Yeah. It me. sounds like in the book, like, um, very, um, what's that series on Netflix? Uh, Stranger Things. Yo, mm-hmm. totally fighting exactly the, like fighting that. the Demigorgon. That is Dungeons. Yeah. Or it's not Dungeons and Dragons, but it's um, uh, no, it's, it's very the, similar. The Demi- Dungeons and Dragons. The Demigorgon, Demigorgon was yeah. from Dungeons and Dragons. I thought it's a game like that. Yeah, Pretty well, sure. they they open up Stranger Things playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it is Dungeons. No, it was a, yeah, it was a Demigorgon okay, from cool. Dungeons and Sweet. Dragons. I'm not crazy. Yeah, so it's like one of those, but it was like an expansion pack. Okay. You know, oh, you're like, talking about the one from the book. Yeah. So you like you have to not only do you have to beat this, like you have to go into this crazy cave. The cave was it called? The Tomb of Horrors. The Tomb of Horrors. Which is get through. Awesome. Demi yeah. Lich. But you have to get through all these, like, it's a friggin' tomb crazy thing for you. You gotta get through all these, like, booby traps and, like. Mm-hmm. And well, that's that's harkening back to, like, dungeon crawler video games. Right. And, and it's yeah. so. Well, in the yeah. book, actually, the, the the Tomb of Horrors is where Artemis, or I'm sorry, where um, Parzival and Artemis meet. True. So, yeah, Artemis. In and, the Oasis. In the Correct. Oasis, yeah. Yeah, and it was cool because, like, you're going through all like, you're about to die all the time. The only reason he makes it is because he studied up on this thing. And then, like, you get to the end of this tomb and this crazy skeleton came with like weapons and stuff he's like sitting there he's like well i can't he has no weapons he's broke he like, can't buy anything mm. and then the dude's like 
play me at joust. Yeah. I was like, all right, so this is how the book's going to be. Like, it sets the tone for the whole thing. I like that. I don't know. All right, I have to read the book. Yeah. Another fun fact about the Tomb of Horrors is it was actually closer to H's school that he went to. Mm. And mm-hmm. so that's one thing that kind of in the earlier book to kind of tell their relationship, how they're friends. But in this hunt, it's like dog eat dog. Totally. You only You only take care of yourself. And so he could have told H in the book, hey, this place I think is like right next to your school. And he didn't. Yeah. Um, now at that time in the book, did they even know that they lived like close to each other in real life? Yeah. H and Parcival. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me, let, let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah. So H and- in, in the book, Parcival lives in Oklahoma city. Okay. Mm-hmm. Artemis lives in Vancouver. Okay. Canadian. Uh, Daito and show live in Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, Shoto, not show. Right. Yeah. Book is Shoto. Yeah. And then, um, H no one knows where H lives. Yeah, H is mobile. She lives. He, he she or she. Yeah, we don't know. Lives in an RV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So they don't. That, they don't live next to each other. Okay. There's events that happen in the book, mm-hmm. um, like the the stacks blowing up. <clears throat> After that moment in the book, um, Parcival or Wade will uses sure. IRL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, I do have to say one thing. Speaking, of, they did a really good job with his hideout. Yeah, that, that was exactly what yeah. I pictured in, yeah. in the book. How how they did it, where you know it was this van that was just kind of tucked under cars and mm-hmm. you know safely tucked away. That did perfect job with that. Mm-hmm. So after the the stacks are blown up, after the whole deal with Sorrento goes south, which I kind of like the book version a little bit better mm-hmm. because it's it's a little more co- like self aware cockiness that Parzival has when talking to Sorrento. Yeah, this multi million company company running CEO. Um, so after Sorrento blows up the stacks. Uh, Wade changes his name and government databases to Bryce Lynch mm-hmm. and then moves to Columbus. The, the headquarters. Yeah. IOI. That's yeah. where they are. That's a freaking like, snake's own, nest. Oh, yeah. He gets his it, own apartment. So he gets baller. his own apartment, but he's in Columbus because Gregorius uh, Incorporated, which was Halliday's company, mm-hmm. um, is like right down the block. And there's direct links from the apartment complex he moved into connected to that company so there's no lag zero lag you don't have to be on ioi type uh router or internet connection so you're plugged in directly to the you're source. plugged in directly so, to the source boss, it's also worth noting move. that at this mm-hmm. point like ioi and and um what the hell's his name bad guy iraq no no no, sorrento thank oh. you but we got iraq uh thinks that he <laughs> is <laughs> dead right so it blows him up and he's like all right i'm going off the grid and that's why he moves closer because mm-hmm. he has a plan and i think that's mm-hmm. what you're about to talk about yeah Hit me. Did, have you even said your favorite part of the movie yet? No, not yet. You got to do that. Uh, I liked the the first race sequence. That kind of set the pace and the tone of the movie, mm-hmm. especially I, when things blew up into the coins, which you liked. Oh, that was so cool. Um, how he was sliding oh. in a DeLorean, like just drifting and picking up all those coins. Like, oh, oh, I can buy gas now. How awesome was it that in that race scene you had, you know, the Mach 5, you had the mm-hmm. A-Team van, you mm-hmm. had Bigfoot, you had, um, you know, uh, Parzival's vehicle, which was... The DeLorean, the DeLorean. DeLorean. Yeah, all day. Back to the Future. With the Knight Rider, you know, logo in front, or yeah. light in front. Don't forget the Batmobile. Oh, there was yeah, there a Batmobile. Batmobile. 1960s, oh. 1960s. Did you see Christine? The Adam West Batmobile. Yeah, Christine oh, yeah. was in did there. Did you see Christine? I the, did. Okay. Yeah, and there were so the, many awesome throwbacks, but also Artemis Spike. Yeah, the Katina. It wasn't so. that from Tron? No, no that was what not was from Tron. What was the bike from? I know it was from some anime. anime. Was it? Okay. You could almost go back like frame by frame through that race and like uh, just pause and 
try and identify all the vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. almost every one was a throwback of some sort, yeah. which was cool. Oh, it was awesome. And then there was all of the IOI vehicles that were just default. Yeah, Generic, they were just yeah. boring. Uh, that's a great Sorry. selection for first scene. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely favorite. It, yeah. it, it set the, the tone of the movie for me. Definitely. Like, you have this really poor guy entering in this race to win this big thing when in actuality he didn't really need gas to go. He didn't need the money to win. All he needed to do was to find that clever clue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm trying to think. We can go to IROC right now. Yeah, dude. So, well, so yeah. Let's, let's talk, talk about movie IROC exclusively for now. <laughs> okay. He was awesome. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about him in the movie because I haven't read the books. Okay. okay. So I'm yeah, we'll let you take this one. So he's just kind of like this giant, like, warlock orc type looking thing with a giant skull in his his torso yeah. is a giant skull <laughs> and like the eyes and the teeth are like holes through so right. it's like a three-dimensional slash pockets kind of yeah like he, keeps he keeps stuff, stuff in there yeah and he's voiced by the hilarious tj miller you will right. know you from immediately deadpool he's been in a bunch of different stuff he recently acquired some legal troubles, so it's good to see him I in, rock or in T- a movie. T.J. Miller. Uh, no, I rock totally <laughs> got arrested. He got in a lot No, T.J. Uh, Miller uh, got got in some some hot water about something. I can't remember exactly, but... Was it, was, it the Emoji movie? I'm it pre- was so no, bad. I'm pretty sure it was some hashtag Me Too stuff. Oh, yeah? Ooh. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure someone accused him of getting handsy. or I can't remember specifically, so I'm not going to speak on that too much, but he's hilarious, and his stand-up's hilarious, and he I'm okay for now. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so he plays Iraq, and he is Sorrento's mercenary. He's definitely the guy that he calls up and says, hey, hunt this guy down, make him disappear, get me this artifact, which he does a couple times for Sorrento. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just this really kind of a, probably one of the more fun side characters. I would call him a villain in the loosest sense of the word. He was definitely more of a... A freelance mercenary with some mm. hilarious one-liners. Yeah, he was like so non-threatening. Yeah, like, <laughs> like like he was one of the more like badass characters in the movie, just weapons and like look-wise. Like if you were looking at Sorrento and uh, Iraq, you would think Iraq's the villain and sure. Sorrento's the mm-hmm. sidekick, or and, Sorrento's like the hero. Do you see like his avatar was like a oh yeah clean-cut Superman Clark Kent looking dude, totally Bizarro. Like Bizarro. 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 He's Bizarro. Oh, that's Bizarro. Yeah. yeah. Who's that? Sorry, guys. Who's that's that? That's the like the nega Superman. Oh, look at look at. I guess not. Look at me. Look at them doing a good job at making me relate things. But, yeah. All right. Yeah. So Iraq is, and he eventually meets his demise. Um, <laughs> but he he gets this is like his one of his key roles is finding this um the orb the orb of and I can't believe I can't think of it Ozzy Vox Ozzy Vox Ozzy yeah. Vox I which can't believe you like, two both just remember that they said it like seventeen times <laughs> the, in the movie. orb of Ozzy Vox <laughs> yeah at one point Sorrento's like. Stop saying that, yeah, to right? And like, it's a shield that protects their the planet they're on from you know everything gutting there. Yeah, everything. And at one point, Serena's getting worried because like they're putting on attacking. Like, how long is it gonna last? And I was like, like ten thousand years, million years. Yeah. Like we should be. Which got me thinking. Like, how does time work in this? Like, does ten million years actually mean ten million years? I Real time. So. Yeah, like, it's that's crazy. Oasis it standard always, time, which is based on Columbus. Okay, it always does but, when your mom has to no. take the trash out while you're playing your video game. Yes. Yeah. Or if the like the kitchen's on fire and this is real your time. kids screaming at you, right? Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, and so tragic and sad and probably true. Whatever that kid should learn to cook for himself. That kid wasn't. I feel like the mom was cooking and then went into the oasis and like, Psh. yeah, kids should figure out how to put out a grease fire. Right, it's <laughs> like lots of water. Obviously, you use the, the hands on the headset. Yeah, 
burn your mom's stuff yeah, or just <laughs> set your mom on fire. Could you imagine like how mad people would get? Like, you kind of saw it actually when, cause you, like they make such a big deal about this being everybody's um, like go to entertainment and re- like real life experience escape that when um, Wade's uh, mom's boyfriend dies, he like freaks out. He like punches him in real life. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. If you remember the movie, they alluded to it that he blew their rent money on upgrades. Right. Totally. So did. like, since he zeroed out, like they wouldn't be able to pay rent now. Yeah, it wasn't even the rent. I don't even think it was the rent. I think it was more than that. it was. That's right. It's mm-hmm. the house money. Yeah, so it they was were saving you know, up to buy a house. Yeah, because she says, "Well, this was our mm-hmm. ticket out of here. What do you that's mean right. you spent yeah. all of it on that's right. upgrades?" That's way worse than blowing rent. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. another thing was to, life savings. Another thing to note is the, and this is going back to the book. World currency sucks, and the right. Oasis currency, it's like the Bitcoin. The coin, yeah, it, it's the only stable uh, currency available. So that's basically what everyone uses now. Yes. They don't use the American dollar or whatever Canada uses up there. Um, Pretty sure it's... Dollar. Yeah. No, it's actually It's, a, it's a Canadian dollar. The, the loonies yeah. and toonies. Yeah, they've got their own money. Somebody yeah. brought me back some. I tried to put one of their dimes into a parking meter, and it was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, bro. Get, get back to Canada. We don't want that yeah. loony shit. Yeah. No, but so that's the only stable thing in this chaotic world. Is this digital currency interesting? And in the book, do people exchange that currency outside the game? Yes, as currency. Yes, for and you, real, in, for in, real world stuff. Yeah, in the movie, they did it too. When? when oh, that's right. Because when he, he bought or- the haptic suit. That's right. He ordered the, the thing, X1, and mm-hmm. it was like real world delivery. Exactly. There you go. That's you got cool. It. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, and so I want to I want to talk about the haptic suit that he had for just a second because that was yeah. one of the cooler aspects of his character. Yeah. So he has this like full body suit, literally full body up to the neck, and it's haptic. So haptic indicates subtle vibrations that give you a sense of feeling. So if you have like a Xbox controller in your hand and it vibrates on the right, mm-hmm. something's coming at you from the right, that's haptic feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing as when you're typing on your iPhone and it vibrates a little. Sure. Mm-hmm. So he's got this whole suit that interacts with his physical body through the game and mm-hmm. it's fascinating there's this one scene where him and artemis are dancing Ooh. and and the haptic suit got a little spice because it li- like <laughs> it, it lights up it lights yeah, up that's... it like glows orange where you're being touched yeah, it was right. very very so did you sexy. notice the part towards the end where when um sorrento sorrento gets kicked yeah and it's just boiling yeah. red it, lo- it looks like it's cr- like <laughs> and he just rips it off yeah he's like you know that uh, the crotch is the ground he's playing that game the floor is lava but no. at that moment his <laughs> the crotch, crotch is lava, lava. <laughs> <laughs> oh so good yes beautiful yeah I, I wish they would have spent more time explaining the haptic like it's such a cool idea and something that we're working on now in mm. in our world but am i just a nerd because i kind of knew what it was no i'm well no well they don't really get too much into it in the I mean, book we get, no that's true we get the gist of it but what they do get into in the book is the various levels of the haptic technology so mm. at first like, he mm. has just gloves and a terrible visor and then by the end he has like this giant rig and a room that basically is like a haptic room like that's cool oh, it's yeah. basically like a supercomputer. His, his apartment yeah well, yeah gets in, in the Columbus. book he, or, i'm sorry in the yeah in the book he has the um oh they say the name of the rig that Sorrento has. Oh yeah, the big pod looking thing. Yeah, yeah. he like has a, it in the book. T- yeah, he has thousand or whatever. Yeah, oh, um, I think it's a Nimbus. Havishaw, the Havishaw rig. Mm. That's the name of it. But it basically it takes up Sorry his entire apartment, and he can float around and yeah. basically mimic flying or that's, riding oh, that's or whatever. Right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. They then, kind of did that in H's van in the movie mm-hmm. where they were kind of suspended, totally. so you can mm-hmm. kind of mimic that a little bit. But that'd be really cool to have a whole room. That reminds me of the war room in X Men, 
Remember that? It yep. was all holographic yep. and they would mm -hmm. all fight these things. Yep. That was so cool. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Technology's going places. I think I think we're about there, guys. Any final thoughts on Ready Player One, John Wallum? Oh man. If this is a movie one. Absolutely. Go see the movie first. Go see mm -hmm. the movie first. You've done it right, Johnny. I did it. Go see the movie first and then read the book. Apparently I'm doing it right. Yeah. Because the book, I mean, the book will open up so much mm. more. The book is you can't put it down just like Max said. Okay. Yeah, the movie is just a visual treat. It's something that you're really going to enjoy. The book is ten times that. Yeah, nice. For sure. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, it, it really is like a teaser. If you go see the movie, then you open yeah. the book and it's like, wow, there's this whole, this whole thing. Really, that's kind of a nice way to do things in general. I mean, I feel like I always talk about how we're let down by movies, but if you watch the movie before you read the book, like it can only get better. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, anybody else? Final thoughts on this? Well, we didn't touch on I Rock in the book. We did not. Oh. I Rock is in the book for all of like one chapter. Okay, hit me with your one-minute synopsis of Book Iraq. Book Iraq, uh, he is a poser, as the book says. Um, he <laughs> right. Um, he is invited into H's basement, that cool little lair that he has, and um, he's he's basically there because he's fun to beat at video games. Yeah, he has no him. he has no other purpose in the book but to after they find the copper key, alert the Gunter blogs that oh they're students on ludus and um that's it after that he's out of the book no kidding no kidding a, wow yeah so they, they gave him a lot more of a role in this but i like his role in the movie yeah would we can we say that maybe that's a better character in the movie than the book just i mean oh, it's a different yeah. story yeah. in that case but yeah I think well i'm totally gonna read the book so good once that, again these have been our thoughts on ready player one the book and the movie yep uh, you're good with final thoughts I'm good man I feel good with what we talked about if you'd like you can find Johnny on Twitter at Johnny Manitoba you can find Jameson on Twitter who hasn't posted since December of last year at Jameson Parker week John Wallum do you have a Twitter I do have a Twitter why couldn't I find it man he's because um, it's not under John Wallum and we're telling everybody what it is real quick that's fine I mean, oh goodness here. But in the you, meantime, you tell me what my Twitter is. You can I don't find know how to Max Minardi at Max Minardi Music. And you can find um, John Wallum at JK Wallum. JK Wallum. He's just kidding, Wallum. <laughs> just so you guys know, you can find me and Max together on social media as Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Is that it? Yeah. And if you like if you like the idea of being on one of these chats with us sometime, you can also find us on Patreon like we talk about all the time. Even though being on the episodes isn't a reward anymore. Not anymore. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So no, it is every like every we no, changed it's not. it. But we didn't. It's not. You're wrong. Okay. But we also cook dinner now, so it's fun. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we might cook you dinner. Yeah. Uh either okay. way, let's go around the table one more time. I'm Johnny Summers. I'm John Wollum. I'm Jameson Parker. And I'm Max Minotti. This has been Fresh Hop Cinema, and we'll see you next week. Bye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.